Hello to my fellow humans with True Crime Obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I'm Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, with my co-host, I think he's eaten, or we just went upstairs because of course I'm recording now and he goes upstairs, the baby dog known as Rory. Today we're going to look at the next couple episodes are going to be kind of like holiday related, um, and this is a murder spree by Ronald Jean Simmons. welcome hello hello we are getting close to the holidays here um in america and we it's cold in michigan where i'm at very cold it's raining not raining <laughs> it was raining a couple days ago but now it is snowing but it is quite chilly and i'm over it already which is funny because i've lived here my whole life and I'm always just over it <laughs> at this point. And yeah, so things have been going pretty well. Got a few more days of work and then I'll be off for a few days or like a week or so, which is uh, something I'm very thankful for that my company does that we're able to, It's you don't have to take PTO. It's just like a holiday break that we get off. So I'm looking forward to the, just kind of not having to worry about work, getting a good positive, you know, end to the year. As we know, the year hasn't been great for us um, and going into 2023 with hope and just some optimism. So ending the year on a good note, uh, if we can, and starting 2023 with a bang. So today, like I said, we are going to do the next couple of episodes are going to be kind of like holiday crimey related. And this is one of the first ones that I found. It was Ronald Gene Simmons, not to be confused with Gene Simmons, the uh, kiss band member but this is ronald gene simmons so he was born uh july 15th 1940 in chicago illinois to loretta and william simmons uh unfortunately on january 31st 1943 so when uh, ronald was pretty young his dad william died of a stroke and within a year uh his mom actually remarried this time to another williams uh, William, but his name was William D. Griffin. He was a civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. In 1946, the corps moved Griffin to Little Rock, Arkansas, the first of several transfers that would take the family across central Arkansas over the next decade. Ronald showed the narcissistic controlling tendencies pretty early on in his life. He was hitting his younger siblings, manipulating them and his parents, erupting in fits of rage and never really backing down or admitting that he was wrong, which is classic narcissism. And his brother, his younger brother, described him as a bully and a tyrant. When he was in second grade, his family moved to a small town of Hector, Arkansas, into an old farmhouse without running water, 20 miles away from the nearest paved road. They lived there for several years, and to him... It was paradise. For the rest of his life, he longed to return to Arkansas and live the simple life. On September 15, 1957, he dropped out of school and joined the U.S. Navy and was stationed at the Naval Station Bremington or Bremerton in Washington, where he met 
Rebecca Becky Ulibarra, and he ended up marrying her on July 9th, 1960. Becky was just the kind of woman that he wanted, meek, accommodating, independent. She couldn't even drive. So he ran the household with an iron fist. Even when he was away, he had set schedules for meals, laundry, and cleaning. He controlled the finances, paying the bills himself, and only allowing her a very small allowance, which usually was not enough to even cover decent meals for his ever-growing family. Though she was meek, Becky, in her diaries and letters, called him my gene. And when she'd expressed frustration with his tyrannic ways, told herself that, you know, he probably knew best. Over the next 18 years, they had seven children. In 1963, he left the Navy and approximately two years later ended up joining the Air Force. During his 20-year military career, he was awarded the Bronze Star Medal, the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross for his service as an airman, and the Air Force Ribbon of Excellent Marksmanship. By all accounts, he excelled at his job, being a model of efficiency and proper protocol. His same monomanical obsession for order and control that he used his family was an asset. While he was living on the in the civilian quarters in Saigana in the Office of Special Investigations living quarters, he lived the life of comfort. He had a maid service, he had a cook, and he had his laundry delivered to his door. He had commissary privileges, and when he had time to, you know, rest, he would go to Australia. Meanwhile, his new bride, right, you know, that he was at home, or she was, you know, dealing with all the kids at home, and remember that allowance that she was allowing? He literally only sent 40 bucks at a time. He ended up retiring from the Air Force and overall military service November 30th of 1979 with the rank of Master Sergeant. A few years later, in April, uh, on April 3rd, 1981, he ended up being investigated by the Cloudcroft New Mexico Department of Human Services for some allegations that he had followed a child with, a, with his own 17-year-old daughter, Sheila, whom he had been sexually abusing. He was obviously fearing arrest, as he should have been. So he ended up fl uh, fleeing New Mexico with his family. Um, first, they went to Ward, Arkansas, and, and Lanakoe, Lanoke County, and then ended up moving to Pope County near Dover, Arkansas, in the summer of 1983. The family took up residence on a 13-acre tract of land about six and a half miles north of Dover, uh, and they would that would they dubbed that Mocking Hill, Mockingbird Hill. The residence was constructed by two of two older model mobile homes joined together to kind of form one big house, um, but neither of them had a telephone or indoor plumbing, and they were surrounded by there was like a makeshift privacy fence around it and it was actually as high as like 10 feet in certain places as a result the home's lack of plumbing he ended up digging three like they're called cesspits essentially that was it's like a spot for them to use the restroom and and you know put their human waste in that he ended up working a string of kind of low-paying jobs in a nearby town of russellville arkansas 
He quit a position as an accounts receivable clerk at a Woodline Motor Freight after numerous reports of inappropriate sexual advances into work. He ended up going to work at Sinclair Mini Mart for approximately a year and a half before quitting in December 18th. That's today. Whoa. <laughs> December 18th, 1987. By the time uh, that his killing spree started, the number of people within the home had reduced to seven people um, at the time. Remember, because he had seven kids, so there's nine people. But there were the two older children, uh, and I couldn't find a lot of information about the kids. Billy and Sheila, they had moved out, married, had kids of their own. On December 22nd, 1987, he began a killing spree that would end up being the worst mass murder in Arkansas history and the worst crime involving one family in the history of our country. He, it ended up, it ended about six days later, um, and it ended up leaving 14 members of his immediate family uh, dead and two former co-workers. So he just decided that that was the day that he was going to kill everybody in his family. He ended up first killing Becky, his wife, and his eldest son, Gene, by bludgeoning them with a hammer and shooting them with a 22 caliber pistol. He then killed his three-year-old granddaughter, Barbara, by strang strangling her. He ended up dumping the bed the bodies in one of the cesspits, remember, that he dug to because there's no indoor plumbing in their house. So he ended up putting them. Um, and remember, he 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 didn't actually dig them. He had forced his kids to dig them. So essentially digging their own graves. He ended up waiting for his other children to return from school for Christmas break on the same day, December 22nd. As they arrived, he told them that he had presents for them and wanted to give them, give it to them one at a time. He first killed his daughter, 17-year-old Loretta, whom he strangled and held underwater in a rain barrel. The three other children, Eddie, Marianne, and Becky, they were killed in the same way and all were ended up still being dumped in one of those kind of cesspit areas. About four days later, midday, December 26th, the remaining members of the family arrived because it's Christmas, right? They're visiting for Christmas. The first to be killed was his son, Billy, and his wife, Renetta. Both of them were shot dead. Then their son, Trey, was strangled and drowned, soon followed by their daughter, Sheila, and her husband, Dennis, who were both also shot dead. If you recall, his own there were the accusations that he had sexually assaulted and essentially raped and sexually abused his one daughter. Um, they did have a child <laughs> and the child's name was Sylvia. Uh, she was also killed, strangled, and uh, finally he killed his own grandson named Michael. He laid the rest of the bodies uh, in like a neat rose in the lounge in his, in his house. All of the corpses were covered with coats, except for that of Sheila, who was laid in a state covered by his wife's best tablecloth. The bodies of the two grandsons were wrapped in plastic sheeting and left in abandoned cars at the end of the lane where their house was. After the murders, he went for a drink at the local bar, then returned to the house and apparently oblivious to the corpse lined them around him, spent the rest of the evening and following day drinking beer and watching TV. 
A couple of days later, on the morning of December 28th, Simmons drove to Walmart in Russellville, where he purchased another firearm to use in an attack that he was about to carry out. His first target was a law firm where he had previously met Secretary Kathy Cribbins Kendrick. He had been infatuated by her, um, but she rejected him. He walked into the office and he shot and killed her. He next went to the oil office company where he intended to kill the owner, Russell or Rusty Taylor. He was the also the owner of the Sinclair Mini Mart from where he had where Gene, if you remember, had recently resigned. He shot and wounded Taylor before killing another person in the building named James David Chaffin. He was the only victim that was a complete stranger to him. Another employee in the building was shot at, but thankfully the bullet had missed. He then ended up driving to the Sinclair Mini Mart, shooting and wounding two more people. His final target was the office of the Woodline Motor Freight Company, where he shot his former supervisor twice, wounding her. He then ordered one of the employees at gunpoint to call the police. When they arrived, he handed over his gun and surrendered without resistance. Over the course of the 40-minute long rampage that day, he had killed two and injured four other people. So let's go over this three-day of cray-cray craziness. So December 22nd, when it all began, he killed his wife and son by gunshot. He then ended up killing his granddaughter, three-year-old granddaughter, by the way, his daughter, his son, and two other daughters by strangulation. Four days later, day after Christmas, he ended up killing his son and daughter-in-law by gunshot, his grandson, who was one years old, by drowning him. He killed his other daughter and his son-in-law by gunshot, and his daughter slash granddaughter, the one that he had with Sheila when she was young, by strangulation, and his grandson by strangulation. A couple of later days later, he ended up killing Kathy, who was an acquaintance, the, friend, the person that he was infatuated with at one of his jobs by gunshot, and a complete stranger that was just unfortunately in the wrong place at the wrong time by gunshot. He was first tried for the Russellville crimes and a jury convicted him of capital murder and sentenced him to death. He made an additional statement under oath supporting his sentence. I, Ronald Gene Simmons Sr., want to be known that it is my wish and my desire that absolutely no action by anybody be taken to appeal or in any way change this sentence. It is further respectfully requested that this sentence be carried out exponentially. So pretty much he wanted to die right away. He, he didn't want to have to wait. He understood, you know, he didn't want anybody to appeal on his behalf. He wanted to, it to be carried out immediately. The trial court conducted a hearing concerning his competence to waive further proceedings and concluded that his decision was knowing and intelligent. While he was on death row, he had to be separated from other prisoners as his life was threatened constantly. This was because he refused to appeal his death sentence. The other prisoners believed that he was damaging their chances of beating their own death sentence. On May 31st, Arkansas Governor 
who ended up later, he ended up becoming later President Bill Clinton, signed his execution warrant. And on June 25th, 1990, he died by a method that he had chosen, lethal injection. Once again, this is one of the biggest killing sprees ever in a specific one family ever in Arkansas. Absolutely insane story. He just, you know, he had a lot of symptoms, no, not symptoms, but signs of narcissism, of controlling. He, he was not a good father. He was not a good husband. He did not support his family. And then one day he just chose to kill all of them because that's what you do, apparently. And during the holidays, so he's kind of, I've seen other different places that he's like the Christmas killer, but absolutely crazy um, that this like happened technically kind of like in my lifetime. I was born, uh, you know, in the late 80s. So it's it's crazy that that kind of stuff happened. Um, but yeah, tragic. All of the people that he killed, um, it, it just, I can't believe it, to be honest with you, to essentially take, he took out his entire family tree. There's, you know, there's not really anyone else uh, to kill his small children, to kill his grandchildren, to kill a stranger, to kill a woman that just wasn't interested in you. Just absolutely insane to me. You know, uh, I hope I'm happy that all of those people that he killed uh, have justice, but it is truly tragic that any of the existing family, you know, cousins or aunts and uncles, right? That kind of ruins the holidays to, to always remember that. And uh, truly a horrific six days in December 1987. Thank you all for tuning in today. Kind of a downer, but there's a lot of holiday related or Christmas around the time. I know Christmas is generally like a, a pretty large celebration here in America, along with Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and a lot of different things. Um, so that I'm going to try to look for next week. Uh, I don't think I will release on Christmas because we will be traveling that day. So I'm going to try to do it on Christmas Eve. But as you know, lots of things, craziness happening. So it might come out the day after Christmas just because of how the traveling that I have to do. And there's just a lot of things that are, are coming up. So definitely getting an episode out at some point next week, either before the holiday or after the holiday. But I will definitely get something out that is related to the holidays because why not, right? And I'll maybe I'll try to find something that is also maybe like New Year Day, New Year's Day, New Year's Day related around that time frame because why not? And then hopefully we will start 2023 with a bang and it'll be great and everything will be awesome. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can begin the year out in a really good way. I didn't do like much of an episode or I'm sorry, much of an episode. This is a shorter episode than I was anticipating because there was a lot of, well, it was like four or five pages of words, but I guess not. Um, but uh, a shorter episode, no, I didn't do too much like personal stuff in the beginning. We have a lot of stuff going on today. So you're going to get my intro stuff at the end of the day. We're going to go to my uh, sister-in-law's house and we're going to make cookies and, and all that fun stuff and do some chatting because you know life so crazy crazy cap episode today i do appreciate you tuning in open to feedback always uh, i i, I like kind of like doing like 
themed episodes the best, the most that I can. Uh, always open to feedback, any case or story suggestions. I know I had somebody suggest the Springfield 3. I just haven't had an opportunity to really dig in because I really want to do that case justice when I do get a chance. Uh, all the source materials for this are in the show notes. Please subscribe and rate so we can continue to have the podcast grow. We are almost at a thousand downloads, which is insane. The goal is a thousand downloads by the end of the year. So I appreciate it. Spread the news, get it out there, tell people about it. I do appreciate my friends that have kind of told other people about the podcast and the random people that have found my podcast from around the world. I appreciate it. We will continue to work on weekly episodes. Um, but do be patient with me. Uh, Tis the season for a lot of craziness happening, but hopefully at the beginning of the year, everything will cool off and we'll kind of have smooth running for everything. Uh, Be sure to check me out on Instagram. I don't do a ton of posting, but I do episode posting on there. Twitter is also kind of a little bit lower, but we do just episode posting on there. Uh, TikTok is where I'm a little bit more uh, active. Uh, you should be able to search me as usual as Crime Obsessed Dog Mom and find me. And thank you again. I always appreciate your support. Uh, stay true crime obsessed and love on your animals and be kind. And we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>